1: With Conair Girl Bomb, available at Walgreens.
2: This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of the Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr.
3: And I'm Gerard Littlejohn.
2: And this is Cut To It.
3: Cut To It. Cut To It. Let's get down to it. Cut
2: to it. We ask the questions you always want to know,
3: but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. Cause you know it's
4: on. it's on. all right. <laughs> you know hey guys, what up backstage? Uh, hey. <laughs> if anybody listens to this podcast, all of our listeners, and you know, we all know about our quotes, and you know, Steve's always got a book, and we're always hearing things, and you know, very many of them are very profound. And our guests sometimes. enjoy it. I said many. I hey. mean, I gave you the upside. No,
2: I just think sometimes you just get to we just we just get to say how we're feeling.
4: Yeah, and and that's what what we love about this show is we get to hear things and see things, and we share them with guests and sometimes with each other. But, um, you know, I was listening to some guys talk on 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 a certain certain station. And um, one of the gentlemen that was talking said something to me that resonated with me. And I thought that I would ask you guys, uh, even one of you have heard this before, ask you guys, when I say this, where does it take your mind at what's it make you think? Because in my opinion, it can relate to business, parenting, um, relationships, sports. And it's really, really simple quote. And I'm going to say it to you. And one of y'all jump in first. We can be demanding... Without being demeaning, hmm. what what I, I saw your eyes go up, G, when I said that. What 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 hits you when you hear those words? Demanding without being demeaning. I mean, just just
3: just initially walking through it, it, it basically you can still respect the person on the other end while still getting the results you possibly want. So I think that you know a lot of times there's a, always a a zero sum type of mentality, especially now. Uh, another reason why I've why I've taken a break from social media, um, because there's always a this or that. There's a one side, this side. You're this or you're that. You know, whatever red, blue, liberal—it's always that. So we're in this world where it's—it's it's one or the other. So sometimes we think that you can be um, demanding and demanding. You can be both and still get the result that you want. So it's one of those things. I just hear that and saying, yeah, you can. You, two things can coexist at the same time.
4: You know, I, I, that's a great answer. I'm sitting here like to challenge you with saying, and we're all—we're all—we've all played some level of sports. Some of us longer than others, and mm-hmm. a professional league than others. But you know, we've all done some kind of sports here. But For sure. when you think back um, to coaches we've had, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, you know, I know tonight you're going to pick up your daughter from from a swim meet. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you get the most out of someone, whether it be your daughter, whether it be a coworker, whether it be a teammate? Because a lot of times how we go at them is, man, you were sorry last play. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, Mia, you know, that butterfly stroke was terrible. You know how to get better. Isn't that – But deep? some
3: people – but it, it depends on the individual too. That's why I said it's not zero sum because mm-hmm. some people respond to that, right? So whether you're being coached that way, so some people respond to it. But I'm just saying overall those two things can exist. Right? As long as it's
4: delivered in the right tone. Is, am I hearing you say that? or?
2: Yeah. Depending on the individual, depending on your age –
5: Mm -hmm.
2: where you were were raised geographically and then how you were raised in that community, what the true expectations were in your household, that sometimes just demanding something from someone can depend on their temperament, can be just as or more severe and come across to those individuals as demeaning. Mm-hmm. And you can demean someone that maybe from a that that's from a area where, wa- you know they're, they're a duck water goes off their back no matter what that you can demand and demean, and they're unshaken. Mm-hmm. So it really just depends on their temperament. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I really believe, and I've said it before. You have we have to be extremely careful that we don't allow people's behavior to be witnessed or watched so critically that that results into leaving those individuals feeling
3: devalued. It's okay to be demanding, right? Like if we got a deadline, we, for a, we for need something. Some. So no, I mean, I mean, at some point in time, you you gotta meet a result, right? Yeah. Like you gotta, we gotta cross the finish line. We gotta deliver this deliverable, like whatever it is. So you can be demanding. I just think in the quote that Joe's saying, you also don't necessarily have to be demeaning. Oh, yeah. In the context of whatever relationship. Yeah,
2: hey, I'm not saying demeaning. Bill Belichick
3: just may, but Bill Belichick may be demeaning to someone, and they're gonna get the result of possibly winning a championship.
2: I'm, I'm just saying that I just think where we are today. Yeah, I think where we are today, there are some people being demanding, and I think people hide under the the notion of um, relationship. I think sometimes people, because I'm, you know, I'm <clears throat> I'm around my kids. Like you have two kids that was that are younger than mine, so you're interacting with them differently. Context Which, is different. Yeah. Context is different. But I got a 24-year-old, a soon-to-be 21-year-old, and a 16-year-old who's going to be 17 this year. And there are sometimes I'm literally scratching my head going, man, this is – like when I was 17, mm-hmm. you couldn't do that. Yeah. Right? When I was 24, you couldn't – like you could not do – and I'm not saying my kids are, but I'm just saying other kids are. Subpar work. Yeah. yeah. Subpar work was not always accepted.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: But now, well, I gave it a try. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't you, sh- you should be and it's yeah. like,
4: mm, that green participation ribbon. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And so that, I'm saying it's okay to be demanding. Yeah, yeah right. you, like the, the, and, and that's and that's where I was going with this. I mean, cuz we all got all lathered up about this because we all have so many different experiences with mm-hmm. that because I think if we all go back to our younger adulthood and our childhood, mostly Something's all of our been demanded of Mostly it. all of our yes. coaches probably lean towards the demeaning no, side. No, Don't get me started on what right? Coach Jay I mean, used to call me. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what did he call you?
3: <laughs> I can I don't want. Uh, we're gonna need we a lot a of people for that. We got an We E. We got e. <laughs> to <got an> Explicit, right? <laughs> was it that bad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. As, as Like what? the coaches try to get him up out of there. Like some really? of coaches. Yeah. What well, did it, you? W-
2: was it when you were playing basketball or football? Football. Because right, I see a coach basketball did.
3: game, I'd cuss you out, too, if I was a coach.
2: Did
4: he say, <laughs> did he say gosh dang it, Gerard, I'd like you to be okay on Not this play? even close. <laughs>
2: Dude, listen, <laughs> if it was a basketball coach, I could understand.
4: Now, that brother was that at the
2: jumper. house one time. He <laughs> I hadn't played
3: in like two years,
2: bro. The first a time.
0: disclaimer.
4: it's <laughs> <laughs> a
2: disclaimer. Hey. I literally
3: hadn't touched the ball in like two years. Hey, it looked like he had touched the ball in 10 years. <laughs> I hadn't.
2: That boy <laughs> shot that ball, I said
3: Oh, yeah, that was ugly. Hey,
2: I, I'm not going to lie. I looked at him and said. And hey, once
3: I warmed up, I was straight. But yeah, them hey, first few shots, it was, that, was terrible. Play Hold was on. No, 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 no. We played a horse. We played look, look, That first shot. It was bad. <laughs> <He> said, <laughs> I can admit that. He said black folks <laughs> back behind.
2: He said us back then. I literally hadn't done the
4: ball in like two years. Here's the last question I had for that though Were you demanding or demeaning?
2: I looked We
3: laughed.
4: He was <laughs> demeaning.
3: I laughed my damn self. He looked at us said, I said, this and this, is I
4: had oh I I had a I had a
3: card as soon as I played that card I hadn't touched basketball in two years. Well, he hey, he shot the new
2: look. He shot the ball. I said it was a straight
3: air ball, a straight air but ball. But it wasn't the way. It was yeah,
2: a, it was a so. <laughs> <laughs> he it back. Hey, It was so bad I was like,
3: Damn. yeah. You said so I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I, I was shocked though. <laughs> I and, had a rebuttal quick. Hey, I ain't played to <laughs> Listen, was like, relax.
6: And we walked <laughs> play, yeah, we playing. We
3: horse. We were playing horse. We were just like shooting. We playing horse.
2: We were shooting. Like we were yeah. shooting and we shot on the court. and I looked at him. I was like, Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. I, I, I'll take I that like, L. I'll take that L. I
2: was like, Oh my gosh. Is this a brother? <laughs> <laughs> Man, want to welcome to the Cut to a Podcast, Eddie Jackson. A chef, a rising star for the Food Network. Also played a former NFL player, right? Attended the University of Arkansas. I think they got a football team. Some days, some years, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, so We're going to get into that. Yeah, we gonna <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> right? Actually, you, yeah, okay. We're going to get into yeah. that. <laughs> but I, we appreciate Eddie Jackson coming on the P- Cut to a Podcast.
1: I like the switch up. So. so, uh so, Steve, you know where I'm at right now? You in Utah? I'm in Utah, right? Be careful! That's I guess you. you grounds, right?
2: Be careful! I can get some tongues come over there and run up in your hotel. <laughs> 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 and them boys is way outside your weight uh, they, class. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, they, they don't play around. now they don't play around. Yeah.
2: So, is it? It's snowing out there right now? Nah, huh?
1: actually, you know what, man? It's beautiful right yep. now. It's sunny, clear skies. Yeah. Snow-capped mountains, probably about 35 degrees, 30
2: oh, yeah. degrees. Yeah, that's some good that's that's still,
1: still too cold for me, though. I'm yeah. from Texas. No, it's <laughs> cold,
2: but yeah, it's, it's good skiing weather. Man, we're going to um, get some icebreakers right now. So um, if you can have the answer to any question, what would that question be?
1: What came first, the chicken or the egg? What's your thesis on it? The egg why i don't know it just who, it laid, didn't it? Have to come first.
3: who laid it things that make you go hmm mm,
1: i
2: like that that was pretty good <laughs> yeah man being a chef
1: what's your cheat day food Oh, for me, cheat day food for me is barbecue. I'm from Texas. So, you know, I'm known as a barbecue guy, but I do a little bit of everything. Uh, I'm a kind of a global chef. So I take a little bit of this, a little bit of that from my travels. But for me, being in Texas, man, when I want to cheat, I'm going to give me some barbecue, some brisket, some ribs, mm. some macaroni, throwing down.
2: Mm. Man, let's get right into it, man. Where are you, you, know, where are you from in a place you call your hometown?
1: So, I was born in, in a, a small town in Georgia called America's Georgia, which is about two and a half hours south of Atlanta. But I grew up in Texas. I moved to Dallas when I was about 10 years old. So I grew up, I consider myself a Texas boy. Uh, You know, everything that I love, school and, you know, really honed in on my cooking and all that stuff kind of started in Texas. So I uh, raised in Dallas and now I live in Houston. I've been in Houston about eight, nine years now. So Texas is it for me.
3: All right. So how would you describe your upbringing?
1: Uh, For me, so... But I grew up in a in a household full of. When I was younger, you know, I was about you know from one to ten. I was raised by my mom, right? Mm-hmm. My dad was in the military, and so uh, I didn't I didn't really meet my dad until I was probably about eight or in between eight and ten. Mm. So uh, you know, my mom had me at a really young age. So you know, raised by a single single parent. But the good thing about that was that I was in a small town back in Georgia. So this is where my grandmothers were, my uncles, my uncles, my cousins. So, you know, that old saying where it takes a community, you know, village to to mm-hmm. to raise a child. Yeah. So that's really what it was. You know what I mean? So I was always with my grandmothers. I was always over to my aunt's house because my mother was really young and she was still trying to she was basically still in school. My mom had me. When she was 16. Mm-hmm. So she was still in school when I was uh, one and two years old. And the town that I was in was rough. You know what I mean? It ain't nothing to do there, you know? Ain't nothing to do there but get in trouble. And uh, so at a young age, man, that's what I was doing. I was getting in trouble left and right, uh, you know, to the point where my mom was like, man, look here, uh, you need to go be with your dad. <laughs> you, need, you need to get some get right. So that's what happened. Uh, you know, I went, went moved to, with my dad after he got out of the military and I moved with my dad to Dallas. And uh, man, that was the best decision. That my mom could have made and that's the best thing that could have happened in my life. Cause I tried my the stuff that I was doing with my mom, that first day I got to Dallas, I'd never forget. I tried that with my dad. He punched me, square in my chest. Mm. He say that that mess that you was doing back home, it ain't gonna cut it here. It ain't gonna fly here. And that's the last time that my dad, you know, had to get on me. Mm. My dad big dude, big six, six two, you know, two sixty military, you know, hardcore guy. So, so-
2: so you said he punched you, but what he did is he socked you, huh?
1: Yeah, he socked you. <laughs> Put them paws on you. Yeah, that's the one where the tears don't actually come out for about but yeah. three minutes, you the first two minutes you <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, right. well, yeah. and you can't you, you hell, better not man. cry. You I'm bet, gonna give you something to you cry. Better
1: about. not cry. Oh no. Uh uh-uh. uh. Better not nah. cry. Now, my dad was, man, you know what? The thing about it is that my dad was military. My dad was an amazing athlete as well. He was a, a McDonough All-American. Hmm. But, you know, what college in country, did he go country, that, that's the thing. So the thing about it was, in the country, yeah. the mentality was different. So, you know, my dad had a child, and he was, you know, a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. He had scholarship offers. I mean, he was a McDonald All-American, mm-hmm. you know. So he had scholarship offers from everywhere. But my grandfather was, you know, didn't understand that education was so important. Yeah. He made him go into the military so he'd be able to provide for, you know, my dad took care of me, even though he wasn't around. He yeah. would always send money and, you know, I would talk to him all the time. I just didn't see him because, you know, you know, he was all over the country, yeah. all over the world.
2: Back then, technology was nothing compared to what it is today.
1: Oh, no, not at all. man. I was born in 1980. So you're talking 79, 78, 79 is when, you know, my mom was pregnant. So my dad was like, my grandfather was like, you need to go to the military. You need to start providing for this, this child. Not thinking, you know, going into college or getting an education, who knows what could have happened.
3: So now, were you an only child? You got any siblings?
1: No, I have siblings. But, you know, for my, my mom and my dad, I'm the only one. My you. dad ended up ended up remarrying and having, uh, I got two brothers and a sister mm-hmm. from my dad's marriage and my mom remarried and she has two daughters. But I'm the oldest, so, you know.
2: We haven't seen each other physically, right? Even though yeah. we're on Zoom. Since pretty much when we, you know, that one or two years that we played together. Yeah. And then now seeing you and and, and admiring your career on 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 television, it makes me go backwards. Right. In my mind, yeah. I'm going I never held a conversation to go, do you like cooking? Yeah. Right? And so I you know, it's it's one of those. I just as being a former teammate of yours, man, take me down the journey of Eddie Jackson. How'd you get how'd you get here today from your perspective? Not the highlights of what you think everybody else you think that everybody wants to hear. I want to hear your story. We wanna hear your story of how you got there. Because playing in the NFL to cooking. Yeah and a pretty damn good cook, and now your, TV presence and now your, is pretty good. Now your
3: personality good. on Food Network?
2: Yeah, the personality, yeah. all that stuff. Now, I did hear that you scared of Bobby Flay, but we'll get into that a little bit later.
1: Oh, right? man, come on. You ain't heard that. Yeah, <laughs> I, heard, I heard Bobby
2: Flay be like, what? You be like, uh. <laughs> 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 "Hey, Hey, no, you know, man. them food Bobby trucks said, be talking now. Bobby the food said, trucks yeah, be talking.
3: There's, there's food truck streets nah. out here talking. Yeah. Nah. Bobby said you don't want so, no smoke. No smoke.
2: He said
1: what? Oh, I don't, I don't I don't be, be Bobby
3: Flay. He said, "I don't." I don't, I don't he be said, "He said his barbecue smoke." Oh, Listen, yeah. he said, <laughs> "He said be Bobby Flay." Eddie,
2: man, I slap
3: Eddie. <laughs> barbecue, barbecue <laughs> slap. Him. Yeah.
1: So look, uh, real talk though. So mm-hmm. the thing was is that so like I told you, I grew up in, in 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 Georgia, and ironically, both of my grandmothers on either side. So my mom, my my mom's mom uh, was a chef, and my dad's mom was a chef. Uh, okay, and, you got. In this small town,
2: you can't just say grandma like. Well, you black. You better tell your grandma's name. You got to tell, identify well, which well, one because because well, you, you. you know tell you know if it's whoever listening say well which grandma was you talking about because I actually <laughs> no, have I'm two grandmas that are both named Betty.
3: Oh really? Yeah. So I got two months got, named Betty. On you got
2: to distinguish which one yeah. you're talking about. Yeah.
1: So I'm gonna tell you right now. These names I'm about to say is the most. Interesting. Interesting country. Interesting. Hey, so I'm from North
3: Carolina. You ain't said nothing slick to a can candle. wool. you talking uh, me? Dad's
1: my dad's mom. My dad's <laughs> mom is Annie, Annie Ruth Jackson. Ooh, oh, that ain't, <laughs> that ain't that bad. Right? That ain't at all. What? Are you kidding me? And then my my mom's mother. Uh, she's still alive. My dad's uh, my dad's mom. My God, grandma Ruth. I mean grandma Ruth. She passed away when I was a teenager. But. uh, Geraldine, oh yeah, now we yeah. <laughs> Gerald Ger- <Dean laughs> sound like a...
2: Geraldine sounds like she was Naomi. Geraldine sounds like she'll pop you,
1: oh man. She's, she's, or she the candy she lady popped me with, She popped me with a uh with a pie roller one time. Mm.
3: Oh snap. That's got some weight behind
1: you it. Got, you, man, the thing is, it, it popped you, it it, it rolled. No, that
3: out. that <laughs> hit you. you. That me. didn't pop. You don't get popped by a power roller. You got hit like with you, a power roller. You, don't, like you get
1: popped,
3: you get popped, in popped in with a ruler or a time. switch. You don't get you get hit with a pie roller. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's that's it one that, that, that's
2: one of those you get hit whatever they got handy. Yeah. And that's what she had. I love no, them old school
3: had. names though, like because you, you don't see you don't people don't have those no more. Like you mm-hmm. don't see someone named like Pernell anymore. No, <laughs> no. Nah. But
2: Pernell or Geraldine, dad. Like Geraldine, look, Geraldine sound like a grandma, and she and based off her history, try Geraldine if you want to.
1: She whoop your ass yeah. so yeah, you quick. You know, yeah. you know she gonna smell like Ben Gay before you even meet her. <laughs> yeah, you know. I was about, you know yeah, you already know, but no. So my grandmother Vicks. was a chef, so I grew up in that household. <laughs> I grew up, I grew up at a young age around food, mm. um, like on both sides. Whenever I would go to my mom's house, it was always centered around food. Mm. Um, you know, for any type of celebration, weddings, funerals, graduation, it was always a big extravaganza around food because you know the the head of the household, my grandmother's, they were chefs, like really good chefs, mm. and so the first thing that I learned how to do was really cook before I even started into sports. I would, uh, I would cook with my grandmother, Geraldine and she taught me how to make biscuits when I was five years old, like scratch made biscuits yes, and make pies and stuff like that would make pies and scratch made pie crust and scratch made cakes. So I was doing this when I was five and six years old. I didn't really get into sports until I really moved with my dad. So before I even got into sports, food was like my thing. I just love food. And my my dad's mother, uh, Annie Ruth, she was actually a, a, a private chef for President Jimmy Carter. Mm. Jimmy Carter is from the small town that I'm from, Plains, Georgia, uh, which is right next to America's Georgia. That's where he's from. That's where he still lives today. Mm. And so she was uh, 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 his private chef for a while. So that's what that's what I was around, man. You know, for the first 10 years of my life was food, 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 food. And I always heard about my dad being this great athlete. And they like, man, you, you know, they would see me run and like, oh man, you you got your dad in you. And I never knew there wasn't any sports around there. It wasn't no little league. It wasn't, it was a small country. Yeah. You know, we would race up, we would race on the dirt road. That was about it. Yeah. Man, so when I moved my dad, is when I really got into sports. But my dad was my dad is an amazing cook as well. He learned from his mother. So that was really what we would do, man. He got me into football, got me into basketball, got me into track. Um But we would always cook, always cook. Every Saturday we would cook, you know, whether we were watching football, watching basketball. It was always centered around cooking. Mm -hmm. That's all I ever did, all I ever did. And um, so when I got to Arkansas, I got a scholarship to Arkansas, I was was always cooking. I was the guy that was always cooking. So everybody would come to my house because they knew, you know how it is when you're in college, you know, you're eating ramen noodles. But I was over there cooking home-cooked meals. So, you know, it was always packed. So my dad was like, look here, man. You can sit here cooking all this food for these guys. You need to start selling plates. So I started selling five dollar plates to all my teammates in little yeah. to-go boxes. Oh, they would put in their orders at the beginning of the week: meatloaf, fried chicken, baked spaghetti. Uh, I mean barbecue, and I would. I had a whole setup, man. I had grills, I had fryers, and I would sell it to my teammates.
3: I'm trying to figure out how you got groceries. So now that explains you was you was hustling.
1: I was hustling, Traveling, yeah. Trapping plates out the I, bando. I would take that pail, I would take that pail, grant, man, and, and flip it about three or four times, yep. making meatloaf. <laughs> wow. This dude was trapping meatloaf. Yeah, man. I was, I was trapping meatloaf out the window. <laughs> 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 I love
2: cut to it, and I, I love it even more when you download us and subscribe.
3: And you can follow us on social media too, Smithy.
2: Where, where at?
3: That's at CutToIt on Instagram. What about Twitter? At CutToIt. Facebook? CutToIt featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com where you can buy merch and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers. Quest- um, nah. I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here
6: for, brother. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick Six credits. Non withdrawable and valid for Pick Six use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick Six not available in all states. For up to date list of states, visit DKNG.CO Pick Six states. Void where prohibited. See terms at picksix.draftkings.com promos. Whether it's your
0: first time betting or you've been gambling for years.
2: What was your college experience, you know, based on the passion, based on understanding what you had to, you know, yeah. endure, based on what coming out of this small town to play sports? Man, you go to Arkansas, what's your expectations?
1: So, yeah, you know, when I like I told you, when I moved to Dallas is when I really got into sports and I really, uh, really evolved as an athlete, you know, when I moved to Texas uh so coming out of high school i was i was i was better at track than i was in football i was a n- number one hurdler in the country number one long jumper in the country and i was number five running back in, in the state of texas so i had offers to any school i wanted to go to but arkansas was the only school that would let me run track and play football uh and so when i went to school that when i went on my visit there i like i fell in love with it at the time they had won like 32 consecutive national championships in track and they had just come off of um beating Tennessee and well they should have went to the national championship, but Clint Sterner dropped the ball and Tennessee recovered and ended up going mm. to the national championship instead of up. y'all, y'all remember that play. So it was they were really good at both sports. So that's why I went and man, I I fell in love with the school um while I was there. The the bond that I had with all of my teammates uh, is still today. My mm. best friends today are the guys that I went to school with. My goddaughters are, you know, my 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 best friend from college. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean. My 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 son's godfather is my best friend from college. Mm. So just that bond being in a small town, uh, a real tight knit community. You know the guys that we played with, we all hung out together every single day. It wasn't a big city, so we created this unique bond uh, while we were there, and it it was beautiful, man. I'm, it, I I couldn't have planned it out any better, man. It's so so many connections that I got from the University of Arkansas.
2: You go undrafted. You didn't get drafted. Yep. Mm-hmm. You you come you come to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, what was that experience, experience like for you?
1: Well, it was funny because for me in college, I, I mean, I started my entire career uh, in college, and I was actually projected uh, a third round pick. My last year in college, I uh, I got riddled with injury after injury, uh, pulled hamstrings, I uh, uh, had a messed up my ankle, a fracture of bone in my ankle. And so, even after coming out with all that stuff, I was still kind of a third or fourth round pick. But you know how it is, Steve. Yeah. I, for some reason, I dropped and mm-hmm. became a free agent. Um, and I would never forget this conversation I had with my dad. He was like, "Look, you know, you've had to work for everything that you've, you know, you've ever gotten. So this isn't no different, you know." So when I went to Carolina, and they had just brought in Chris Gamble, which was their first round pick,
2: yeah,
1: uh, the first round pick. And I don't know if you remember, you know, we used to keep stats. So that first camp, like yeah. I led all the DBs and all the stats. And that was what I was trying to do. And that's the only reason that I made the team.
2: Yeah, I, I remember that year was actually I was coming off a, a, a huge injury.
1: So yeah, you I, was coming off of injury. Yeah,
2: so I, I I had to work. I had to work really, really hard because I had to see. That's when I broke my ankle. Yep. Um, so I had to kind of come out there and they were, you know, they were asking me to test Gamble as well to see if he was that guy. You talking about a guy that didn't
1: talk? Man. Didn't talk. I never Man. met nobody to this day like that. Man, Gam would
2: not say a word. Really? Bro. No. That was his mentality. Great dude.
3: Uh-huh. Man. Just didn't, just not a talker. He just
2: he wasn't a talker. Even if he made a play, you would see him get excited, but he wouldn't talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, wouldn't talk. Wouldn't talk. I, Thought something was wrong
2: with him. For, for, for <laughs> a I was like, man, his brother slow. I like, man, he's slow. <laughs> but I do remember. Damn. I do remember Eddie. Yeah, Eddie wasn't shut up
3: was, for he, nothing. I was, he was. He taught that talk.
1: Oh, nah, man, it was. It was a. I mean I I I just was a hard I was a, a hard worker. He
3: was a
2: hard was worker. Still a hard worker. He was a hard worker. Yeah, it uh, doesn't sound like yeah. it's a
3: it's a past tense verb. It yeah. sounds like you still are a hard worker.
2: No, he's a yeah, oh, still very, still a hard Very much really. hard worker. Yeah. But yeah.
3: Uh, so Eddie, what's your what's your what's your memories oh, of Steve then? Shucks.
1: Well I already look I already had got the the, 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 the four one one on Steve because okay. uh a friend of mine's uh, uh Dante, you know is from Arkansas. Wesley. Dante Weston oh, went yeah, to Arkansas, yeah. well, Ar- went Arkansas, to Arkansas, Pine Bluff, mm-hmm. Pine, pretty, went, he eye. To, pretty. He, eye. To, he was with the Razorbacks, yeah. First, then, and then, but then he transferred. Yeah. So when I got there, he kind of took me on his wing, and you know? he was like, "Look at man." He was like, "I'm telling you right now." He was like, "Okay, Moose," gave me the rundown about Moose, and then he was like, "But Steve," he was like, "Look at man, whatever you do, like don't talk no mess to Steve, cause Steve don't play. Like when he get bad, he gonna take over." So I was like, I was like, I don't care about that, man. I'm Eddie Jackson. <laughs> I'm Eddie Jackson. <laughs> I'm Eddie Jackson, what you talking about? Somebody I better pay your ass. How, how, how did how that work out?
3: Huh?
1: How did that work out? Well, when you finally came back, I'd never forget this one time, man. We was uh we was in practice, and uh,
3: <laughs> man, I'm Eddie Jackson. I'm, 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 <laughs> he Jackson, that f what you heard. Yeah, little light, <laughs> hey, little light skin ninja.
2: Nobody care about yeah. him. Yeah,
1: with a little curly hair. Nah, head. man, you oh. had caught a ball on me one day, and you had caught a ball on me one time. Uh, and practice in the end zone, and I could jump. You know, I, 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 I long jump. Yeah, 10 Yeah, and they and, and Jake had threw the ball up, and I went up for it, and man, I and never forget. It was like a blur, like just came out of nowhere, and was like a half a foot over me. And I was like, "How the hell, this little light skinned dude?" The mossy, the mossy, just mossy. Then he was talking smack too. He was talking smack. I was like, "Okay, all right, all right." Yeah. But no, that was the first, the first real experience because when I first got there, he was hurt. He was still kind of yeah. rehabbing was, and yeah, doing his thing. Rehab, yeah. But this wasn't till I think you, I think you came back. You was out in the first six weeks, I think it was, or something like that.
2: No, I had been out uh, in training camp. Um... Yeah, training camp OTAs, they kind of let me rest because I yeah. you know I still yeah. had that uh, I had scar tissue mm-hmm. issues that I was still getting through. Yeah. Um, and I actually
1: year and a half Cause ago. you was rehabbing with Drew Carter. Drew Carter had came in yep. at that time yep. too. Y'all was doing y'all stuff together. Yeah, yeah.
2: Man, so you go in the NFL, you play, mm-hmm. you play for the Carolina Panthers, you mm-hmm. play for the Dolphins, yeah, Patriots, Redskins. Mm-hmm. Watch the football team. Huh? Washington football team. Washington yes. football team. Washington football team. They <laughs> might. They might be the, the something the, else the, by the time the, this the runs. Wolverines or red red yeah. wolves, whatever. it is. Oh, don't, don't, yeah, give, you know. Don't, don't give don't don't give off they uh they surprise. Nah, I, I It's just a few names. I know. What was your mentality from what you've experienced? Not being drafted. Yeah. Having a really good camp, and yet. Mm-hmm hanging on by a string, seeing yeah. the hypocrisy of oh, yeah. the National Football League. Yeah. W- w- what were you thinking at that moment?
1: So for me, man, I uh, I think everything is a blessing. Uh, so after I left Carolina that second year, I got released uh, right after that last game. You know how it is. It's like that fourth yeah. preseason game. and That's when they do the last cut. And it was, it was more of like a roster move. Like, you know, that's the year we had a bunch of linemen that went down. So they had to, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that was that year. So they had to bring in a bunch of linemen. And like, I was on the cup, they had like, you know, Ken Lucas and then Gamble. We had like some other uh, veteran DBs, Dante Wesley. Uh, And so, uh, like, they released me. I was, I was, I was the youngest guy. I was the, you know, the last guy that, you know, so I got cut. And so I went to, went down with the Dolphins and played a couple of years, but it was the same thing. I was behind all these veterans. Yeah. Uh, that was that was down there, um, and so I was still playing a lot though. That's when Nick Saban was there, so Nick mm-hmm. brought me down there because he knew me from Arkansas and he was at LSU. So he brought me down there, and I played a lot there and I learned a lot there from Nick Saban and all those um, those veterans that was there. But my second year there, and it felt like I was always playing catch up because being that free agent, you know what I mean? You like, have no leeway. You always, you, you have you- no leeway. So I was always playing catch up. And then my second year there is when I blew my knee out. Mm-hmm. My second year, and that was my contract year, because I signed a two-year deal. And that second year there with Miami was my best year that I that I had. Uh, you know, in my three years I was in yep. the league. So it was the best year, best year I had by far. And and that's when Nick Saban decided to just walk out and leave and went to Alabama. You know what I mean? So yeah. we had a new coach come in and he didn't know me from paint. I had proven myself to Nick, but he didn't know me. All he knew is I was a free agent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so and here I am with a torn ACL, NCL, going into offseason. I'm like, well, here we go. And luckily, uh, Nick Saban put in the call to Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick picked me up. While I, I mean, while right before I had my surgery, he called. He's like, we don't care about the surgery. We just want you to do your rehab up here, and uh, we'll sign you. So, I mean, that just you know goes to say, you know, if you if you work hard and people see that, yep. you still get opportunities. You know, so that's how it went for me. But after that knee injury, man. Steve, you know, I just wasn't the same, man. I was a yeah. speed guy, uh, athlete type of guy, jump guy. Uh, and just after that injury, man, I just wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same. So, so it so was the, hard to kind of come back off of that.
3: What, what was your psyche after your stint with with all of those teams? What, were you, what was your psyche when it was towards the end?
1: Always been a business type of guy. Always. You know, my entire family, come, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Uh, whether it be my grandfather, you know, Arzell. How country is They name is Arzell. Arzell. Uh, Arzell. Arzell? Arzell? R. Jackson. That's what I'm talking so about. So I've always been business minded. So I kind of looked at, mm-hmm. always looked at the NFL as as, as a business. Um, and so I knew that, you know, being that I'm a free agent, got this injury. And back then, the technology ain't the same as it is now. No, you know, back sir. then, it, no, you know, guys coming back in four or five, six months back then, you know, it, it was going to take you a year to come back. Yeah. It, it take
2: it. I don't care what the technology says for a guy to feel hundred percent. It's a about yeah. 18 months.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you're already a free agent and you've got an injury like that, like, you know, chances are slim. You're going to be able to have a fruitful and long career unless something drastic happens where a bunch of guys go down and you get thrust into it and you, you do really well. So I started putting the plan together in my head. You know, I was like, look here, I'm going to wait till I get vested. You know what I mean? So I have that in my back. And mm-hmm. then what I want to do is just start trying to transition myself into a, a career after football. So I waited and waited, you know, went through the Patriots and got hurt when I was with the Patriots after I got off, after I came back from my knee surgery, came back from knee surgery. That first game we playing the Colts and I actually started that game. I actually started that game, broke my wrist. Mm. The first game, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, you know what? That's it. That's a sign. That's a sign. So I finished that season out, had my four seasons underneath my belt. And then that's when I really started looking and trying to transition out of football.
3: Now, did you always know you were going to find your way back to get into the food industry?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I got my degree in business, so I really knew that I wanted to do something in business and I just didn't know that I could be, make a fruitful career out of food. You know what I mean? So once I officially retired, I went to the Redskins, but I didn't really play. It was just, I, the passion was gone. I had all these injuries. So I called my dad, you know, my dad's an OG. And I was like, look here, man. I was like, this football thing, I feel like right now I'm just chasing it. You mm. know, I still love the game, but I'm chasing it. And if you're chasing it, 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 it kind of takes tough. the passion out of yeah, it. It's be, tough. It, it, it's it, tough.
2: Football is already tough enough mentally and physically.
6: Yeah. And yeah. then
2: you add trying to put the circle yeah. through the square peg, you know, depending on how big or how small – the circle is, and how big the, yeah. the 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 square peg is, it can fit for a little bit, but eventually it just you know it'll have holes. It just won't exactly. It won't fit perfectly. So with that, I mean it, it, you got business degree, whoop de doo yep. right? And I yep. say whoop-de-do. That don't mean
1: nothing, right? It Whoop-de-
2: don't mean nothing. Yeah, whoop-de-do. You got the degree you've played football for the last five or six years, or, you yeah, know. got
1: no experience on the
2: regular <laughs> no, <you>, Nothing, <laughs> no experience. You talked to your dad. Yeah. What were those quiet moments like for you?
1: Right, in that- yeah, and, and you hit it, man, you hit it. You know, I'm, I'm telling my dad, you know, me and my dad, my, my dad's my best friend. So After he punched you in like, your you chest. Know, so what, <laughs> so that's the that's, that's that exact conversation that we had man. he just yeah, had, to bring he, bring he, he had to bring that uh, back up you saw I grandma. he
2: said <laughs> he was like
1: ow oh. <laughs> damn
2: uh,
1: look, you had to look off into to the sun make sure he ain't there <laughs> <laughs> But, no, man, so, uh, you know, me and my dad, we, we talk about everything, man. Mm-hmm. And so I, I asked him, I was like, look, I got this degree, but, like, what am I going to do with it? I was For the last basically call it five years, all I did was play football. In the offseason, I didn't do any, you know, like now they have these programs now, where you can do all these yeah, different they now. Did. When so we were playing, didn't they did. You had to no, do it yourself. That. You had to do it yourself, you know, where you can do all these intern programs and all this stuff to try to find what you are into. So that's all I ever did. So I had nothing on my resume, you know? So he was like, what do you love to do? And I was like, food. And he was like, that's what you need to do. You need to figure out a way to make both of them work. And so for the long, it took me a year, after I retired, it took me a year to, to, to be able to, to, to figure out what I, how I could pull that off. And like that first year, it was a struggle, man. I was like, what in the hell am I doing? Had no idea what I was doing. I was still cooking. And, like, I was happy, but I wasn't making any money. Wasn't making a, wasn't making a drop. Just spending. Wasn't making a, you're spending money. Just spending. Yep. Just spending money. But now that I look back on it, I don't think I, w- I was spending money. But what I was doing, because I didn't go to culinary school. When I tell you I would cook every day, I didn't go to culinary school. But what I was doing was, was teaching myself. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, teaching myself every day. And I would try to, you know, learn something new every day or cook something new every day. And that's what I did for a full year. And then it was like a light but I had ran into uh, Tavares Tillman. Remember Tavares Tillman? Yes. And I ran into him and he was like, uh, you know, he was still playing for the Dolphins at the time. And he was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm having my, my baby shower. He's like, what you up to now? And I was like, oh, man, you know, I'm just trying to do this cooking thing. And uh, I was like, well, look, who, who's cooking at the baby shower? He was like, oh, well, my wife at the time, his wife was uh, Puff Daddy's uh uh, stylist mm, okay. and she was like oh you know she got some connections and I was like man look here bro let me do it for free just let me do it for free and he was like alright so I was like come to the house I'm well, hey some, when you I'm said for you free <laughs> right yeah he, man, I get he, he
2: said if it's bad it was for free right. if got, it's I
1: good a freak hair. Hey,
2: if it's good
1: it was yeah. for free right yeah that's how it jumped off man so I did that baby shower and you know they had everybody some, some former teammates that I hadn't seen in a couple of years you know Few celebrities, mm-hmm. uh, OJ Simpson was there. <laughs> so, I'm not gonna yeah, apply, I'm, just, yeah, I'm not even gonna go there. He walked in, and I was like, I thought my double,
0: like, what the hell? He, look, he grabbed and, the chest uh, again, huh? Yeah. <laughs> was good. You I, it. Was good. I don't want
2: to even. I'm not, how'd Hey, though. hey, <laughs> hey, look, hey, hey,
1: this is true story, though. This is true story. Close. Uh, uh OJ had walked up to the buffet table and his phone rang it <laughs> was uh, look his phone rang. <laughs> it was it was Snoop Dogg. Jenny wait. Juice <laughs>
3: back.
0: I was like oh, you
3: <laughs> Wait 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 can we recap that I just need to take it back his so
2: the was Jenny Juice oh <laughs> Flexi- always gets better
6: <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> something <laughs> <When>
2: you <think. laughs> let me tell you something about OJ I don't know nothing about OJ me neither. I can tell you this The stories that come out on time, you cannot lie. You can't even lie to make them back. Hell, he put them
3: on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) What
1: are you talking about? Bro, in 2009, this was
2: 2009
1: or 10. No, 2008 or 2009, his ringtone was gin and juice. snoop. And he looked at me like this. He said, excuse me. (laughs) Hey, he's, hey,
2: look, hey, look, look, little catering street, peon. Right. I have somebody extremely more important to talk to.
3: Like, was it, a, did, it oh, <laughs> uh, did it ring no, on the course of like, the hook?
1: Did yeah, it ring on the course of the hook? Roll it down the street, street. smoke okay. it. And then, then he picked it. it just, oh, excuse, excuse, again, excuse me, young man. When excuse he me. He <laughs> said, laid back. He laid and he was like, Oh he excuse- waited, yeah. yeah. He, excuse me, young
3: fella. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. young fella. Right. Wow. Cause that's how the OGs wow. always address the young dudes. MJ used to call me Young Fella all the time. Young fella.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well he didn't know yeah. your name either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's my
3: point.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, that's God. amazing. Yeah. Man. But that's how that's how it jumped off, man. And that was like a that was how it jumped off for me to where I could be able to mm. Kind of make some money and like, you know, friends that were there and they started reaching out for different events and stuff like that. And that's how my catering company jumped off when I was in Miami. Cut to
0: it. Cut to it. Let's get down
3: to it. Cut
2: to it. Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You
3: mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts.
5: And then they're never at any of those. Never, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? He's the the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game.
1: Uh, I kind of wanted to open up a restaurant, but you know, people in my family had opened up restaurants and like restaurants, they take a lot out of you, man. I wasn't yeah. trying to work 70 and 80 hours a week. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do a food truck. Cause in Texas, you know, food trucks back then, food trucks was like the hot thing, but I was in Miami. So I bought a food truck, it was called the Caribbean Grill. One of the first uh, cuisines that I kind of mastered was like Caribbean cuisine, specifically like Jamaican cuisine. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing like, uh, uh, like jerk chicken and you know, all these different, you know, crazy recipes that I would incorporate uh, kind of these Caribbean flavors into, but it was like, nobody was feeling it down there in Miami, you know, Miami is like Vegas, but with a beach, you know what I mean? So I was like, you know what, man, I got to, I got to find my way back to Texas. So I kind of had this plan, like a, like a, kind of like a two-year plan to kind of work my way back to Texas. So that's what I did, man, for a year. And then what happened was so I had, I would always have all this food left over from cater events or like, you know, whether I went out on the weekend with the truck and like, you know, I didn't sell. So I had all this food left over. And the girl that I was dating at the time, she would uh take all this food to work. And I was like, man, just take it, take it to your job, take it to your job. And her boss at the time, I can't make this up. Her boss at the time was a huge fan of MasterChef, Gordon Ramsay, right? Mm-hmm. And so she would always take his food. So one day he told her, he's like, man, like Eddie can cook, man. He needs to be on Master Chef." She's like, Eddie don't watch that type of stuff. So he's like, let's, she would, he said, let's enter it, you know, enter him into the competition. No way. So they, they did online and they never told me about it. So I was at the gym working out one day, a couple weeks later. You working out? Yeah. Oh man, I'm nice, listen. man. I'm just sitting down, bro.
2: Bro, Eddie, <laughs> that's one thing about Eddie. He was always in the weight room.
1: Yeah. Always. That was one thing
2: about me. I was always walking through (laughs) the white
1: room. But but the funny thing about it was he was pound for pound, probably the strongest person on the team. Like grown man strength. Yeah, Yeah, I got the call and long, you know, long story short. I'm like, man, I didn't do no application. Found out it was true. Went down to audition, got on the show. What was your audition So for the the MasterChef audition, we had to go to basically like a convention center. And it's like hundreds and hundreds of people. You know, they do it like regionally so this one was in like south south florida so you know if you had put in an application and they pass you through like if you were in georgia you had to drive down there you know so it's probably a good 1500 2000 people at this audition and then so what they would do is they would give you a give you a number and like maybe like a section and a number you know what i mean so i may have been like section one number 20. so one through 20 in section whatever you would go in this room and you had to bring a you had to bring a dish that you could prepare in five minutes right mm. so whether you cooked it at home and you had to reheat it or do whatever you had to do wow. in five minutes so you had all these people that were you know like fancy and doing all this stuff flambeing um, and trying to do all this fancy stuff well look I ain't no, you know I, you know at the time I was just a good cook so I made some gumbo I literally made like some seafood gumbo and I had it in a thermos and I had a bowl and uh, you had all these people like with all these you know set up, you know, one dude was in there with this lobster and this other dude had all this stuff with fire come out of it and they hit the timer and like, you know, people like scrambling. So I'm just sitting there and yeah, five people <laughs> in and they walk around and it's like, what are you doing? I was like, you said, I got five minutes, right? It was like, yeah. I waited till four minutes and 30 seconds. I opened up my thermos, poured that gumbo on the bowl, <laughs> and slid in the bowl it's, <laughs> and it's slid in front of me. And I just stood there and then they walk around and taste your food. They saw me do it. So I was like, this guy is very arrogant or he can he know what he's doing. They came around and takes that gumbo and they whispered to each other, and they gave me a ticket and it was like going to the other side. And that's how that's how that's how I saw That's how I got on the show.
3: Now was that Gordon Ramsay at that Hold point? Tom, that was hit,
1: that was hit, that hit that applause right. right
3: there for playing. That's <laughs> what I'm
1: talking about. In a thermos. Woo! In a thermos. my <laughs> god! That's how you play. Right that's how you play. Yeah. So I get on the show, man. I get on the show, fly to California, get on the show. And even when you get on the show, you're not actually on the show. They start out with 100 people. Mm -hmm. And then you all cook at the same time. And you have to cook uh, like your signature dish. Man,
2: this, I hope they gave you more than five minutes.
1: I forget what it was, but it's probably like 15 to 20 Mm -hmm. minutes. And you have to cook your signature dish. And then this is when you actually meet Gordon Ramsay and uh, Graham Elliott and Joe uh, Baciano. This is when you actually meet them and they taste your food. And then they move you onto the show. They only move twenty people on, so I'm there with hundred people. So you have to make your your dish that you know what you're known what for. Whatever. What
2: was your dish?
1: Jamaican curry style meatballs with like this ginger sweet potato puree mm-hmm. and like some fried garlic chips. Uh, so I made that, and you know they just watch me cook it, and then I you know they taste it. And all three of them was like, you need to be on this show. So I got on the show. I made I made the top 20. Mm.
3: So was Gordon as intense in at that standpoint? Like what
1: you see well, on here, the camera? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, I'm kind of like Steve. Like, you know, I don't like folks messing with me. So before I went on the show, I talked to my every each person has their own producer. I told my producer, I was like, look, girl, I don't seen the show. You know, at that time I really wasn't, I really didn't watch the show, but when I knew it was gonna be on the show, I like caught up and like started mm-hmm. watching it. I was like, before I get on this show, one thing I'm gonna tell you, I was like, all that stuff that he does, he's not, he not, he not, he not gonna do that.
3: To so, me. so demanding, not demeaning.
1: Yeah, I was like, well I was like, I, I it ain't. I, I'm not doing that. And if you if you watch that season that I was on, he never, and then, never, uh, never said so anything. In
3: actuality, to, Gordon didn't want that smoke.
1: He want that smoke, man. I'm trying to tell you, man. He want hey, that smoke. When you talk to a
2: segment producer, yeah. Here's how he said it. See, he dumb, he he dialing down. Listen, yeah. hey man, all that sh- yeah. that Gordon be doing. Yeah. Y'all want to see Gordon get his ass whooped on this show? <laughs> Don't talk, go talk to me sideways
3: if he wants to. Because he yeah. he definitely has that intensity, like go, as, as as if he like a head coach.
2: I want this, but I ain't supposed to be here. So if he talk to right. me the way he talking to other right. folk, yeah. He gonna see what kind of DB I right. used to matter be. Fact, matter of <laughs> fact, yeah, fact. I, I, I'm here. I'm here on a
1: prank. <laughs> if if he- that's what I thought Gordon Ramsay was like, and he is like that, but man, the, the things that I learned from that man and that short amount, I was there for about because I made it down to the top eight, so I was there for a long time. I did really well, so I was there for about three months. And the things that I learned from him, he's very knowledgeable, mm. and he's very personable as well. Like a lot of that stuff is more for show. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's more it was more for show. Uh don't get me wrong, like he went off on a couple of people, but it comes from a place of passion. Yeah. You know what I mean? It comes from a place place of passion, like most coaches are. It comes from a place place of passion. And I, I learned I learned a lot from it to the point that when I left MasterChef, I was like, you know what? I think I can I think I can take this this food thing with TV a step further. Mm-hmm. So I packed up uh and moved to Houston. The first thing that I did was is that I started working and mentoring kids at the YMCA that was in this community that I was in. Cause I didn't know anybody. So I was like the quickest way for me to be a part of the community for people to know who I am, you know, because a lot of people had seen me on master It was like, I gotta, I gotta do something. So I started working with the kids at the YMCA and mentoring them and coaching them and doing some, uh, Doing some training with them, so I did that for a year and a half, and then with that, I started catering a lot of those events with my food truck. Mm-hmm. I had the Caribbean Grill, and I opened up a gym where I was training little athletes, mm-hmm. but I had the I had the I had the food truck connected to it, so I would train them, and then I would take them out, and I would you know give them something healthy to eat off of mm-hmm. the food truck. This one day, man, I never forget it. I had come back from a catering event, and it was it was late, and I was tired. And i was i think i had made like some ramen noodles or something man it was like something quick so i'm sitting on the couch watching food network it's probably about 11 12 o'clock at night and this commercial comes up and it says if you think you can be the next guy fieri try out for food network star and guy fieri had the reason he became Guy Fieri is because he won food network star and that's how he kind of catapulted and became who he is and i said man i can do that literally i said i can do that i grabbed my laptop went online, found the application, submitted the application. They called me a week later. I went down for the audition, but this time it was different than than uh, the, the mastership. This time it was cameras. So you had to like cook the same way you had to cook your dish or whatever you were known for, but now you got cameras in front of you. Uh oh. And you gotta be able, and they're asking you questions, but you gotta be able to cook and talk to the oh. camera at the same time, but also be able to have your personality hmm. go, you know, shine through. And I was just, I was the man got nothing to lose. So I was cracking jokes and being you know yourself. What I mean? and yeah, those was being myself. I think I had like dropped the spoon with stuff on I was like, well, it happens all the time. You can't tell me you never dropped the spoon at your house. I said something that was witty. Yeah. And, um and I got on the show. I got on the show. And uh it was only 20 people. It ain't like show You got this is like the real deal. This is like the creme de la creme mm-hmm. so people on this show you know they got three and four restaurants you know they've been to culinary school they've you know one guy was a James Beard uh finalist so mm-hmm. um, but here I am this former football player that had a food that has a food truck competing against people that you know got three and four restaurants James Beard culinary school but to be honest with you like I didn't give a damn like I was like I'm supposed to be here yeah and um and I tell you what, Steve, be honest with you, man, the only reason, obviously I won the show, but the only reason that I won the show was because of football and the things that I had to go through with football, the ebbs and flows of my career, because in that show, it was the hard, in That show was probably the hardest thing that I've ever done because the stakes were so high. At mm-hmm. that point, like it was all or nothing for me. You know what I mean? So it will be weeks to where, you know, it's like any other competition show. If you have a bad week, you're in the bottom. Yeah, You have a chance of going home. So I started out guns blazing. I was in the top, top two, top two. And it was about a good three weeks where I was in the bottom. But the thing about it was is that Bobby Flay, you know, it's all, it's all about mentorship and, like, yep. teaching you. So it was the same thing. Like, you know, whenever you would do something wrong, it's like, look, this is what you need to work on, and this is what you can improve on, and this is where I think you can get better at. So every time that I would find myself in the bottom, those critiques and criticisms that they would give me, I would go back to my hotel room and, like, I would just, like, you know, work on it. But that's how it was for me, man. I attribute that to sports to where, you know, you have a bad week, you get your grade sheet, and they like, hey, this is what you did wrong, this is what you need to work on. And that's what I did, man, week in and week out to the point to where I got down to, like, the final three. And then the final three, it was all a nut, man. It was like, look, you're going to do We're going to give you uh, – we're going to shoot a show with you see what you got, Every, all three of us. Each one of you gonna have your own different show. And whichever one is the best, whichever one we think can be the most successful on Food Network, that's who's gonna win. When I told you I, I let it all out there, in that, that show, I did it with Rachel Ray. It was a barbecue episode in, uh, in the middle of New York. Man, I was out there, I was cracking jokes, I was just, be, I was just being myself, yeah. and it worked. And, and I ended up winning Food Network Star, and that was six years ago, mm. and I've been with them ever since.
2: Man, that's awesome. I mean, that's 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 remarkable. Without revealing, no. I, I've always had this question. Okay, you you've you've beat Bobby Flay, right? Mm-hmm. In this show, man. When those two chefs that go against each other, mm-hmm. man. When they make these things up, do they give you any time to like look at or ponder a recipe? Who, Who be- Bobby? Yeah, or the There's show on the show, on the yeah. show, like because that's not yeah, like the mystery so challenge or whatever. Yeah, because
1: sometimes that's why, Bob, was... that's why Bobby is the OG man. So yeah. look, Bobby, I got to mind you, Bobby is like the first person that was on Food Network, like the OG, and he's also you know been cooking for over thirty some years. So he, his knowledge is vast. but what happens is, obviously the people know what their dish is going to be if they make it to 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 face Bobby yeah. Clay, right. So once Bobby, once they tell Bobby what they're going to make. Like, they give him five minutes, just five minutes to kind of get his thoughts together. That's it. Like, but still, like, you know, some of these things, like, he's never heard of, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he has to think about it. And a lot of times it's not authentic, but that's his interpretation of it. It's yeah. going to be delicious. Because it's, and that's how he, it works he's out. not
2: prepared. Like, he doesn't know he's what Not they're, prepared. he doesn't know. Yeah.
1: Like, he literally doesn't. I asked the same thing. Like, man, he got to know. He's like, no, now that we're friends, like, man, Bobby, you're cool. I mean, he's like, I get five minutes. I give myself five minutes to get my plan together. And that's it.
3: Like, do you still have the passion for cooking outside of being on the food network set?
1: I do. I, I mean, I cook pretty much every day. Um, but for me is, it's more because I travel a lot now. So when I come home, like I'm, I'm fiending for like a home cooked meal because when I'm traveling, like right now I'm in Utah, I'm going to be here for a month.
2: Ain't no barbecue so, I mean, there dog.
1: <laughs> nah, 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 nah. So when I get home, it's all about cooking for me. But I cook every day anyway. So now I'm mean, in Houston, I own a beer garden and food truck park. So now I have like I have like eight trucks. Hmm. So I have all different types Sly of trucks. Yeah. <laughs> Columbia Fusion, a barbecue, Kraft burgers, and you know. So I'm cooking every day anyways. So when I get home, you know, it's I, I'm like I'm not I'm not cooking, man. I've been cooking all day.
2: You in Utah, what, what show you doing in
1: Utah? A uh, show called Halloween Wars. Okay. Uh, I, I did it last year. They brought me in last year. I was kind of like a judge host on it yep. last year. And then so they brought me back this year to be the actual host. Of it. Mm,
3: you got all these shows. You own the food trucks now. Where do, you, where do you see cooking taking you in the next 10 years?
1: Yeah. So for me, uh, I kind of f- fell in love with kind of uh, hosting. So I see myself kind of continue doing this hosting. I really want to get to a, a point to where I'm doing more like um, like daytime talk, Talk show that involves kind of like cooking and things like that. So that's my my next big goal. But right now, I'm enjoying this hosting stuff that I'm doing with food and everything. I love it, man. Just like it's just like just being myself, entertaining and you know building a rapport with people, contestants, and laughing and joking and and talking about food. So you can't beat that. I have a production company now called Pick Six Productions. Uh, We just did a show. We did a show last year in my beer garden. Pick Six. Pick Six Productions should
2: be PBU
1: production <laughs> actually we are gonna call it oski <laughs> <laughs> he, <I ski. laughs> but no man so that's it like we did a show last year at the beer garden called uh, was, uh, king of rose hill where i had all these trucks come from across texas to compete to have a spot at my place mm-hmm. and um i was a uh, part of, the, of my production company in in partnership with another production company we were the ones that put it on and it did really well so i think we're going to do another season of it this year
2: Man, in the in the food industry, especially on the Food Network, and, and just overall, when you're talking about cooking, man, there's not a lot of men that are black men, men of color, yeah, right, yeah. that are cooking, and also in this hosting role, right. So I, yeah. I keep doing that, yeah. man. Keep 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 projecting that out of ownership, um, creativity. Hosting, directing, just making sure that you're visible. Because when you look at when you look at so many other guys, I watch I, I watch the Food Network. I love cooking.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not even close to you. I just like dabbling in and being able yeah. to provide. And like, if I want to eat, I want to eat, but also want to mess around and do some you know do some stuff and try yeah. it. But man, it's just as proud to watch. as like, man. That brother over there kicking See ass, the floor, See right? That boy over there tossing them biscuits. <laughs> 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 and it just,
1: it Steve, <laughs> so, so Steve, the thing, real quick, man, before we get out of here, is that one thing that keeps me going, and you kind of touched on it yourself. I remember growing up, man, and like like a, a a lot of other kids that looked like me, and young men and women that looked like me. It was always, you know, you know, I was a big, you know, Jerry Rice fan, Bo Jackson yep. fan, and you know, all these different things. But now I have these kids that come up to me that don't even know I played football yep. and they want to be like me, being a chef on yep. TV. I just think that's the coolest thing and it just shows how times have changed and it just lets me know that what I'm doing is, is the right path.
2: With, with the women, both of your grandmothers, that taught you, man, what do they, th- what do they say about you today? What do you want, want to hear from them?
1: Well, but one of the hardest things about, you know, being a position right now is that my grandma, my dad's mom, uh, Annie Ruth, she passed away before she could see any of this because she would be so proud. She was, you know, she has she uh, has a cookbook that came out called Annie Ruth's Family Cookbook. Uh, and so she would be extremely proud. Grandma Geraldine, she's a, I've actually had her on a couple of shows with me. Uh, and it was uh, it, to this day the highlight wow. of my culinary career to be able to have my grandmother on show. But then she hit me up. Hey baby, you think we can uh, make this a uh, jam nationwide? <laughs> I said, on, you know, trying, to get, trying to get the preserves out on the market. Hey there.
3: hey, she trying to she trying to trap out the window.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. She's trying to trap them preserves out the window. What, what, hey, kind what, of, what, what kind of preserves though? What what flavors? Man, what you want? She got it. Apricot, she got strawberry, oh. blackberry, blueberries, strawberry.
2: Yeah, I like blue. I don't like apricot, though. Apricot. No. Apricot marmalade. You never, you,
1: never had, you, never had, you never had Geraldine preserved, man. I'm trying to tell you. Man, well,
2: appreciate it, man. Thanks for the appreciate time, it, man.
1: All right, now.
2: You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent. And most of all, you're lovable. I'm Steve Smith, Sr. I'm Gerard Littlejohn, and this is Cut To It. Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., that is me, is a production of Cut To It, LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple
3: Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi. Social media team Wesley Robinson and John Sho from Balto Creative Media. Cut to it is produced by Brian Baltacevich and Meredith Carter, with production assistance by Alex Labreck, production coordinator Taylor Robinson. Theme music by Alex Johnson, lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then
4: we're about to let you know. Cause you know it's on. It's on.
1: your open space.